Welcome back to the audio recordings. It's been a minute since we have spent time together. If you want to catch up on any of the services that we have had, you can go to youtube.com slash GNC Victoria, youth class on YouTube, YouthTube, as I like to call it. But today we have a very special, very timely message today. We're going to be talking about peace. If you are here present watching in the sound of my voice, let me see you throw up the peace sign. There it is, peace. Doesn't that just make you feel better? Probably not, but we're going to talk about how we can feel better. And if you have your Bible apps or your physical Bibles, go ahead and open up to John chapter 14 and verse 25. John chapter 14 and verse 25. John 14 and verse 25. And we're going to read 25, 26, and 27. I'm going to get there. John 14, verse 25 through 27. And this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. And he says, All this I have spoken while still with you. Verse 26, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all these things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Now, I'm reading out of the NIV. I'm going to read it also in the ESV here in a second. Verse 27, and this is the one we're going to spend a lot of time talking about today, dwelling on. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. The word of the Lord. So as we're looking at Jesus giving us peace, we're going to talk about what peace means to us, what it looks like. A little bit different in the ESV, he says, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he'll teach you all things and bring to your remembrance. That's what I want you to remember, that the Holy Spirit is going to bring to your remembrance. So let me give you some context here. Jesus was telling his disciples that things were going to change. John chapter 14, 15, and 16 is where he's getting them ready saying, hey, I'm going to leave, but the Holy Spirit's going to come. And that's even going to be better because I'm here one person at one time. But when he goes to heaven, the Holy Spirit can be with all people at all times. Because when Jesus was in his little flesh suit in a body, his physical body could only be at one place at a time. How many of you have ever been in a situation when you're like, man, I really wish I could be in two places at one time, right? Like you commit to do this thing and then all your friends are like, hey, we're going to go do this thing. And you're like, man, I want to go do this thing, but I have to do that thing and I can't do both things at once. Or maybe you've seen like those shows where people are running back and forth trying to be in two places at once and they change their outfit and then of course it always blows up in their face and they get caught and they're like, I can't believe it. Like, oh, I was just trying. So anyways, you can't be in two places at once. And Jesus was telling his disciples, hey, I'm going to go to heaven. The Holy Spirit's going to stay here. And that's good because he's going to help you remember the things that I told you. See, Jesus was telling his disciples things were going to change. And it is normal to fear change. In fact, that's part of mankind's greatest fear. Do you guys know what mankind's greatest fear is? <sighs> death is close, but why death? Why because do we know exactly what it's going to look like after you die? Exactly what it's going to look like. We don't. And that's why mankind's greatest fear is the unknown. You guys probably know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what's going to happen, you get nervous, right? Like if someone texts you and all they say in the text is, we need to talk. 
you don't know why they want to talk to you so you're like oh the unknown yeah or your parents text you and they say where are you and you're like oh man am i in trouble i walked into the library on friday no thursday and the librarian she looked at me and she goes you come here and i'm like am i in trouble like i just got here but then it was she wanted to schedule a meeting across town she's like we won this grant money so we want to go take our picture with our giant checks and stuff so i thought i was in trouble though because she was like you come here and then <laughs> right my 15 year old high school freshman came out again like oh i've done it now i don't even know what it was but i did it i'm guilty so the fear of the unknown is one of mankind's greatest fears. We fear death because we don't know exactly what it's going to look like. We don't know what it's going to feel like. Is it going to be really painful? We don't know. Ooh. Like when the doctor says, okay, this is going to hurt. And then you think, yeah, but how much is it going to hurt? Is it going to like, how hurt? Or is it going to be like, oh my gosh. So the unknown is fearful. And so when Jesus says, I'm going to go, and I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you what that's going to look like. The disciples are like, no, no, Jesus, you stay here. You stay here. You don't go anywhere. This is good. we got a good thing going on. Let's not ruin a good thing. But Jesus says, no, you need to trust me. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit, the helper. We as believers have an idea of what death looks like, kind of, because we know where we're going after death. But still, the unknown, it's scary, right? scary like you walk in some place you've never been before you're a little apprehensive because you're like okay what is this place or someone comes up and like oh hey so and so and you don't know them you're like okay who are you because you're unknown and that's kind of scary so we're going to talk a little bit about the unknown today in march of this year our nation and the rest of the world came face to face with the unknown how do we stop this virus how deadly is it how quickly does it spread what do we do now we shut down sports, schools went remote, people started working from home, and many people lost their lives. And as the virus spread, more and more people started to lose their lives. And the hardest part of containing the spread is the unknown. How are we supposed to know who has it if they're not showing symptoms? That's a little scary because it's unknown. So that's why a lot of people wear masks because it helps slow the spread and it also gives us a little bit of peace. We think in our own man knowledge, well, if I have my mask and they have my mask and we're six feet apart, there are very low chances that I'll catch anything, right? That's the little piece that we have. The problem is, is it possible to have complete peace in a situation like this? A lot of people would say, no, it's impossible because we don't know. We don't know who has it. We don't know how close or how far you have to be. We don't know if masks are 100% effective. There's a lot that we don't know, and that's why so many people are scared. But we're not talking today about how to be scared. That's a natural thing. Today we're talking about how to have peace. So let me drop this knowledge bomb on you here, and this is like something that adults need to hear as well. Sometimes we confuse peace with control. Sometimes we confuse peace with control. See, we think that if we're in control, then we'll be at peace. We think that if we have everything covered, we don't have to worry about anything. How many of you guys, okay, no shade if you don't, but how many of you guys are next day outfit, layer outers, the night beforeers? Like you say, okay, tomorrow, this is what I'm gonna wear. Let me hang it up, let me lay it out, let me. <laughs> so I am just kind of a what's clean kind of guy. Any what's cleaners out there? Yeah, like what's, and then you do the sniff test, like, yeah, it's good enough, right? <laughs> So, 
a lot of us like to be prepared and you say i've got to have a schedule any planner people out there you got to have a schedule somebody put this in my planner i was not a planner person I used to be in junior high. I really wasn't in high school, and then I got back to it in college because there was so much going on. And now, as a teacher, I have to have a planner. I mean, in 2020, I wrote stuff down, and my planner became a wish list because after about March, none of that stuff happened, right? So we plan these things, and we think if we're in control, we will have peace because we confuse peace with control. And the problem with this illusion we are actually never in control. Let me ask you guys this. How many of you think right now at this very moment, you are sitting still? No, because we know that the earth is revolving about its axis. We're actually spinning a couple thousand miles an hour, right? And if the earth were to stop spinning suddenly for whatever reason, we'd fly off into space and we would just slowly suffocate as we froze. Really? Yeah, because it's cold out there. Yeah, that's why they wrote that song, Baby, It's Cold Outside. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's a, it's a Christmas song. <laughs> so we're not actually in control. We think, and here's this really, I'm not trying to scare you guys, but you think when you're buckled in your car, you're safe. Well, I mean, it well, makes you feel safer. It makes you feel safer. I love how you said it like that because you may not know this, it's more dangerous to drive in a car than it is to fly in a plane. But some people are like, oh, I have a fear of flying. It's like you realize you could get in a wreck going to the grocery store, right? You're like, well, I'm just getting H-E-B curbside. But what if you get broadsided on the way to curbsiding? <laughs> We're not actually in control. And again, I'm not trying to scare anybody. But we have this illusion of being in control. We work hard to reduce variables. And we think the more that we remove the unknown, the safer that we are. Well, I'm going to give you today an example of perfect peace in the middle of a storm when nobody had control. Let's scroll on over to Matthew chapter 8, verses 23, 24, 25, 26, and 27. And I'm going to read this to you out of the ESV. This is Jesus sleeping in a boat. There's nothing wrong with sleeping on a boat, right? Some of us have spent some time recently on boats, yeah, of maybe the paddle variety or the motor variety. So boats, right? Nothing wrong with a boat, keeps you up, boats float. Well, we're gonna look at what happened to Jesus in the boat. Matthew chapter eight and verse 23. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by waves, but he was asleep. And they went and woke him saying, save us, Lord, we're perishing. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What kind of man is this that even the winds and sea obey him? Now, there's a lot going on in this verse, so we're going to unpack it. Okay, we're going to unpack it piece by piece. So, first, there we go. I lost my place. First, Jesus was leading. Okay? The disciples chose to follow Jesus. In verse 23, it says, And he got into the boat, and the disciples followed him. Now, here's where I'm starting to get in our own business. This is where we kind of apply the Bible to our own lives. So first, Jesus was leading. The disciples chose to follow Jesus, to pursue him, to make him their goal. Where he was going to go, they were going to follow. Not 
their own way, their own thoughts, and their own plans. They didn't get in the boat and say, Jesus, come with us. They got in the boat and went with him. So how many times have we chosen to follow our own plans and expect Jesus to jump in our boat? Right? And we say, well, I'm going to go and I'm going to do this and, and I want to do that. And, and well, Jesus, if you want to, I guess you can come along. These men chose to follow Jesus, but there was no guarantee that it would be a smooth ride. Jesus didn't say, come aboard the kiddie ride. It's going to be smooth sailing and we'll sing Disney songs. He said, come with me. And he didn't tell them where they were going. And we just said that the unknown is a little scary. See, when Jesus issues the ultimatum to his followers, he doesn't guarantee that it's going to be okay all the time, right? Jesus doesn't say, if you want to follow me, we're going to live happily ever after. He doesn't say, if you want to follow me, take up your couch and follow me. He says, take up your cross and follow me. That's pretty tough. That's Jesus who's telling people, hey, you want to follow me? Oh, it's going to be rough, but it's going to be good. And too often we seem to confuse that if it's tough, it's not good. We like the easy way out. We like cheat codes. We like to play life on the easy difficulty. Anybody out there play video games on easy difficulty? Button mashers. Oh, that was easy. But life has no cheat codes. There's no walkthrough where you can just log on to a website and say, if someone ever tells you this, tell them this, and you will unlock 50 XP. That's not how it works. We have to follow Jesus without knowing exactly what it's going to look like. And that's scary. Some of us are like, well, I'll follow Jesus if, you know, I end up with this six foot three muscular mullet-haired, beautiful, blue eyes, patchy beard, right? Whatever we think we want in high school. Like, oh my gosh, is that you, Chad? We think that if Jesus gives us what we want, that is a measure of success. That's going to be great. Or we think, well, if I follow Jesus, then I'm going to get rich immediately. Like, I'm going to go home and it's just going to start raining down money from the sky. I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, look at all of this money. That's not how it works. And we think if I follow Jesus, everyone's going to like me. When, in fact, Jesus says, bro, they're going to hate you because they hated me first. But the disciples said, first of all, we're going to follow Jesus. So we need to follow Jesus. Not say, hey, Jesus, I'm going to go this way. You can come with me if you want. That's the difference to true peace. Second, Christ is not afraid of our circumstances. I'm gonna teach you two words today, omniscient and omnipotent, okay? Omni means all. If you guys ever know, like an omnidirectional microphone, it picks up all the way around. So omniscient, scient, means he knows all. God knows all. And also omnipotent, potent meaning power, like if you've ever tasted something very potent, and you're like, ooh, Oh, Pika. Hmm. Right. So he's all-knowing and he's all-powerful. Jesus is omniscient and omnipotent. So to him, there's nothing unknown to be afraid of. We said that man's greatest fear is the unknown because we can't control it. We can't prepare for it. It's out there and we don't know it's coming. Nobody knew that 2020 was going to look like this. It's unknown to us. But Jesus knew it was going to look like this. And guess what? Even if we would have seen it coming, we are powerless to stop it. Now, we've tried to slow it. We're working on vaccines to mitigate it, but we couldn't stop it. Jesus 
is not afraid of our circumstances because he's all-knowing and all-powerful. There is no unknown that he's afraid of. And there's no obstacle he can't overcome for him to be afraid of. So if we're in the boat with him, then we should also not be afraid. It doesn't mean that our circumstances are going to be amazing all the time, but it means in our circumstances, He is with us. There's nothing unknown for Him to be afraid of, nothing He can't overcome, so no reason to be afraid. He demonstrates His power when He addresses the wind and the wave. And in Mark's recounting of this, I think it's in Mark chapter 8, they record Jesus' words. He says, Peace, be still. What are we talking about today? We're talking about peace. So Jesus speaks into existence peace using that word. Remember, guys, we held up our hands in the beginning back when we could just breathe on everything. And we said, what did Jesus say when he created the world? He said, let there be. Remember when we felt that, that plosive air on our nasty hands? Don't touch your face, guys. <laughs> Jesus uses those same words to create peace. He created the universe. The same person that created the universe creates peace. He says, peace, be still. Isn't that crazy? Like we read in Genesis, like, let there be light, let there be this, and let there be that. And he says, peace, be still. Jesus is not scared of our circumstances. Same voice that created the universe by saying, let there be, now says, peace, be still. His power doesn't diminish. It doesn't fade. He is resting. Guys, he's asleep in the middle of the storm. That's true peace. Because the first thing that our brains do when we have trouble doesn't let us sleep, does it? It's going 100 miles an hour. I don't even know how I fell asleep the first day of face-to-face -face classes because I was just like, what about this? And what about that? And what about this? And what about that? And what about this? And what about that? And then I'm like, oh, it's 12? <laughs> All right, so Maddie's got good peace. That's good to know. But as we grow and as we run into more unknowns and mo problems, mo years bring mo problems. And then you're like, oh, what about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? Jesus is asleep. I think of Darla from Nemo. It's like, Fishy, why are you sleeping? <laughs> so that's exactly how the disciples felt in the middle of the storm. They're like, Jesus, why are you sleeping? <laughs> See, we don't need perfect circumstances to have peace. We need to trust Christ to have peace. And this is the third one. This is deep. This is like next level. Third, before he rebuked the surroundings, he rebuked the soul. Ooh. Before he rebuked the surroundings, he rebuked the soul. The first thing he did when they woke him up was address their wrong thinking. He addressed their wrong thinking. First, he tended to their hearts. See, if all we want is for God to change our circumstances instead of ourselves, we're actually trusting ourselves instead of him. Whoa. If all we want is to say, well, God, I need you, but just for this, okay? God, if you fix this one thing, I can take it from here. God, if you just take care of so-and-so or such-and-such, -such, I'll be fine. I just need this one thing from you, and, and then I won't bother you again. I've got everything under control. Because we think that if we have control, we can have peace. He addresses the soul before he addresses the surroundings. So whenever we cry out to God in the middle of our surroundings, whether we have an illness or whether friendships we thought were going to last didn't last or we didn't get the teacher we wanted or our family's saying crazy things and we don't know what's going to happen next and we're so afraid of the unknown, 
we need to first check our own hearts. What are we trusting in? What is our faith in? And do we think if God fixes this one thing, we've got it from here? Because then we're trusting in ourselves. We say, well, God, if you just fix this, I can handle it. I can control this. But that's not going to give us true peace because as soon as something else goes wrong, then we're going to go running back to God. Hey, God, it's me again. I need you to fix this again. I need you to fix everything for me. I need you to conform to my will. But Jesus gave us that template when he said, not my will, but your will be done. So before he changes the surroundings, he changes the soul because if we don't change our minds, if we don't change our hearts, if we don't change ourselves, then it's always going to depend on the circumstances if we have peace. Whenever people say, I was having a good day until this, spilled my coffee on myself, or stubbed my toe, or someone didn't text me back right away, but Snapchat said that they saw my message because their little face popped up, and then there was a little thought bubble, but then it went away, and then they went away, and then I'm like, ugh, how could you? If our circumstances are the dictator of our peace, then we're not trusting in Jesus, we're trusting in ourselves. And that's not how we get true peace. So let's go back to this story. He addresses the soul before he addresses the surroundings because God knows if we don't change our hearts during this storm, we won't be ready for the next storm. And trust me, kids, it's always going to be a next storm. I mean, you guys are 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 right now. You haven't graduated high school yet. You haven't gotten a full-time job yet. You haven't had to decide, am I going to get a scholarship to go somewhere? Am I going to pay tens of thousands of dollars to get a college degree? Or am I going to be a welder or a nurse or an electrician or a construction worker? What am I going to do with the rest of my life? And then am I going to find somebody to share that rest of their life with me? And are they going to share that rest of the life with me? Or are they going to change their mind all of a sudden and find uh, somebody else to share the rest of the life? And these are things that you're going to think about as you move forward. And if we only ask God to fix our circumstances, we're always going to freak out because the circumstances change. You cannot rely on what we've always relied on. And if anything, 2020 has shown us that perfectly. Everybody who looked forward to football, you had to wait for football. Everybody who looked forward to volleyball, you had to wait for volleyball. Everybody who looked forward to school, you had to wait for school. And the circumstances have revealed what most of the world trusts in. Will they trust in themselves? Or they trust in their government? Or they trusted in the police? Or they trusted in their political party or their favorite team? And now nobody's got peace anymore. Everybody's, I mean, it makes me think of the, the dark night when the Joker's talking to Two-Face. And he's like, all you do is you take out one little mare and everyone loses their minds. You guys remember that part of the movie? <coughs> That's how I see the world today. They trust it in themselves, and all you do is change one little circumstance, and everyone loses their minds. And unfortunately, a lot of Christians also have been like, Lord, we're going to perish. We're all going to die. But he has to address the soul before he addresses the surroundings, because that's what's going to make the difference. See, Jesus was in the storm as well. It wasn't like they're in a storm and there's like this one column of sunshine just on Jesus and he's just laying there and, you know, he's impervious and he's like, oh, no rain on me, right? He was in the storm with them and he's Jesus, but he was asleep in the storm. Like Maddie said, I have peace. I go to sleep and nothing's going to keep me from my Z's. You know what I'm saying? That's the kind of peace that he offers us. So let's go back to John chapter 14. 
Jesus said he gives us peace unlike the world. He says, the peace that I give you, I don't give it like the world. See, the world says if you've got everything under control, you can have peace. On the other end of the spectrum, they say, well, you can't control anything, so don't care about anything. Oh, well, you can't hurt me. I'm this, I'm that. There's this psychological phenomenon where if you inhabit an insult and you take it on and you become it, then it doesn't have power over you. And there's a lot of people who are taking this way too far. They're like, oh, well, you think I'm nasty? I'll show you nasty. And oh, no, now it's all nastiness out there for everybody. And they're like, yeah, I'm nasty and I'm proud. Normalize this. I hate when people say that. They're like, normalize this, normalize that, normalize. I'm like, normalize following God's word. When did that become so crazy, right? Because we used to say, oh, you know, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't act like this. Don't do that. And now people are saying, well, that's a, a form of empowerment for me. I can control my body. I can control my sexuality. I can control my gender. And that's how they find their peace. But then as soon as someone attacks that, they go crazy. Because that's how the world has peace. Just very small nuggets. It doesn't last. Have any of you guys ever bought like a cheap perfume or a cheap cologne? Like you spray it. And it's okay, but it doesn't last. But that expensive stuff, you know what I'm talking about? Like you say, Mom, can I borrow some of this? She's like, Mom, how that costs like $80. So you spray some, and it lingers. It lasts. That's the difference between the world's peace and Jesus' peace. Like the world can manufacture some peace and say, Well, let's go to a party. Let's go to a concert. Let's all go get together and watch these superheroes, you know, defeat this big purple guy. And everyone's like, Yeah. And then what happens when that's gone? Well, then you're searching and you're hunting and you're craving the next thing to give you peace. You won't find peace at the bottom of a bottle because you're always going to need the more alcohol. You won't find peace in the arms of a person because people's love is fickle, unless it's based on Christ. You're not going to find peace in the mirror because there's always going to be somebody prettier than you and you're always going to find something you don't like. That's why Jesus says, I don't give you peace like the world gives you peace because the world's peace is fleeting. It's gone just like that. It's an echo in the room. It just kind of echoes. And that's all the world gives you is just echoes. Like, oh man, remember that one time we had peace? Let's try that again. And it just doesn't satisfy. But Jesus in John chapter 14 says, hey, I'm giving you peace because the Holy Spirit is going to be with you. The peace that we have in Christ is separate from our circumstances. We don't have peace because He makes everything all right. We have peace because He is beside us all through the darkest night. I'll say it again. We don't have peace because He makes everything all right. We have peace because He is with us even in the darkest night. The peace that we have in Christ is separate from our circumstances. Because the disciples followed Jesus in the boat, He was with them through the storm. The loneliest place you'll find yourself in is a storm without Jesus. Because what's going to save you? How are you going to pronounce creative, biblical messages over your life if you don't have the Word in your boat? You see where I'm getting here? So if we don't have Jesus in our boat, if we're just out sailing our own boat, like, oh, sailing away, sail, sail, sail. And then we come across a storm because we know storms are coming. We need to make sure we're in Jesus' boat. We don't have peace because He makes everything all right. We have peace because He's with us through the darkest night. He's not just some get-out-of-hell-free card. He's our redemption. And yes, we make mistakes. I get that. 
But we don't run away from Jesus and expect Him to clean up after our mistakes. We run to Jesus when we make mistakes. That's the difference. I saw this meme, and I sent it to somebody the other day, like, oh, it's so good. And it said, religion. I messed up. My dad's going to kill me. Relationship. I messed up. I need to talk to my dad. Think about the difference in those two statements, right? In one, we think, oh, great, you know, I messed up. I better not tell anybody. I better not let Brother Jonathan find out because then the whole youth group's going to think I'm weird and unholy. And I better not come to church because I'm not where I need to be right now. Like, how twisted is that thinking? We just experienced the moving of the Spirit. We just felt the presence of God that we had been missing for over six months because we couldn't gather together. Imagine someone saying, you know how people say, imagine this. Imagine someone saying, I'm broken and hurting, so I better stay away from church. That don't make no sense. Imagine someone saying like, oh man, this hurts. I better not go to the doctor because the doctor's going to look down on me. The doctor is there to fix you. The doctor's there to help you. Imagine being like, oh, my form is terrible. I better not tell coach. Coach is going to help you, right? And so we see in here that he restores us. Now, it's hard for him to restore us if we don't come to him with our mistakes, with our lack of peace. There's nothing wrong with saying, Jesus, you know that I'm struggling with this, whether it's peace, whether it's guilt, whether it's fear, anxiety, depression, whether it's anger, whether it's annoyance at everybody and they mama, you can bring that to Jesus. See, we don't know exactly where and when it's going to look like this journey with him, but we know that even when we come across a storm, if we're in his boat, he's going to be with us. He's going to tend to our hearts, and then he's going to tend to our surroundings. He empowers us not to make that mistake again. I heard somebody say this, a mistake's not a failure until you repeat it twice. Wow. You think about that, right? You make a mistake, everybody thinks, oh, I'm a failure. Well, no, it was a mistake. But if you choose to do it again, that's when it's a failure. It's a failure of judgment. It's a failure of character. Jesus leaves us the Holy Spirit because he promises us peace. He knows where he's leading us, and he is with us through every storm along the way. And as we head to school tomorrow, let's make sure that we are in his boat. And I want to pray a prayer with you today to acknowledge that maybe we need to renew our commitment to finding His perfect peace. Would you guys pray with me? Lord, we thank You for the chance that we had to come together today, a beautiful day to fellowship and to rejoice in our freedom in this nation, to come before You and gather without fear of the government or without fear of violence. God, we never want to take that for granted. But we also don't base our faith on our circumstances. God, we know that the world has been turned upside down this year and the things that we used to be able to trust in, the distractions and the diversions that would pull us away from you and our relationship with you, they've been shaken. And so many people have lost their peace. And Lord, right now, search our hearts. Look inside of us and show us through your Holy Spirit the areas that we need to work on. Show us the places that we think we can handle it without you because, God, we know we can't. And this year has definitely humbled us all. We pray, Father, that as we go back to school this year, that we would not follow after everyone else in their boats and wherever they want to go, but that we would make sure we are following you, Jesus, because your Holy Spirit leads us and guides us to all truth. 
We know, God, that there's going to be circumstances in our schools, in our families, on our teams, that we don't expect you to make everything a-okay, because that's unrealistic. That's an unattainable goal. But God, give us strength and give us peace in the midst of the storm. Calm the storm inside of us so that we're ready for the next storm that comes to us. We know that you said in John 16, 33, in this world we will have trouble, but we can take heart because you have overcome the world. God, we renew today our commitment to you, your son Jesus, and the leading presence of your Holy Spirit, that you give us peace, true peace, not just some happy feeling, but security, even in fear, even in anger, even in anxiety, depression, in anything that comes against us, we can have peace, even if we don't feel peace, we can have peace because we have a relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. If you want to catch up on any of the audio archives, we are on anchor.fm slash GNC Victoria. And I will see you guys next time.